Hello, hello, and welcome to Along the Way. It's so great being with you. I hope this finds you well. What a crazy time, of course. I don't, you know, I'm not a newscaster. You get plenty of news. So I'm not going to like go into all the stuff that's going on, but you know, we're living it together and uh, it's, it's insane times, you know, um, I, uh, I've decided to delete the news app on my phone and I felt so privileged when I did it. When I did it, I was like, man, it must be nice. A little, little voice in my head was like, um, Jonas, it must be nice to like, just be able to delete the news app on your phone. Like there's so much suffering in the world. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people are, you know, need, need to hear what's going on so they can move out of harm's way or whatever. must be nice to be in your little world, your little privileged world and, uh, and just be able to ignore it. (laughs) You know, that's like the voice that came to me when I deleted my news app. Um, but I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to listen to a, or not listen, sorry, to, uh, read a newsletter that I've been turned on to by a a guy named Oliver Berkman. You might, that might, that name might be familiar to you. Let me find, um, his, I should have had this up. See, I'm not a professional podcaster because if I was, I would have this prepared, but I don't. Um, yeah, Oliver Berkman and his latest, his, his newsletter is called the imperfectionist. I'll link to it in the show notes, but, uh, it's called The Imperfectionist, and his latest issue is called Becoming News Resilient. So Oliver Berkman writes a lot about productivity, but he's like not one of those kind of annoying, like here's how to like dial in your day and like to make the perfect, you know, optimize your life. He actually kind of goes against all that, which I love about his work. He kind of, you know, His thing is like, you know, you're not going to get to that place of op- full optimization. So why are you even trying? Like it, it, it just leads to more despair. The more you try to like organize your life and the more you try to like be super productive and get through all of it, you know, like a lot of us have so much content that we are hit with. Thank you, by the way, for listening to mine. I know you probably have a ton, but we're hit with so much content and I don't know about you, but I want to like get through all of it. And and maybe that would have been possible a hundred years ago or whatever to read one book and then move on. Like the flood of content that we have now was more like a little trickling stream at that time. Now it's literally, it's a flood. It's a, every single day, it's a deluge of content. And he's like, yeah, there's a lot of people who say, Here's how you can get to all the great content. You know, there's these apps. You can organize your content so you can get to them, bookmark them, you know, da 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 But he's like, no, just know that this, this stream or this flood will never stop. So don't put yourself in the, in the way of this flood. Like stand beside it and drink, dip into it whenever you want, and then go live your life. Like go hang out with the people you love and who love you. Go eat a sandwich on a hammock, go, go do stuff, go, just go live. Um, stop trying to optimize, optimize, optimize. He's really to kind of, and that's why his newsletter is called the imperfectionist, you know, but his latest one is becoming news resilient. I'll link to it 
and I encourage you to subscribe. It's it doesn't it comes out like once every week or two maybe. It's not like all the time, and every time I read it, it it really keeps me in check um, with with just the, our social media and news and digital algorithmic way that we're kind of thrown into these days. But this one is like, no, it's it's like same thing. Don't have the news always in front of you. Like, you know, yes. And I, and I preached on this a couple weeks ago. We ended the pan, like basically the mask mandates, the day that I got the headline that the mask mandates were, were lifting is the same day that I got the, the other headline that Russia was going to invade the Ukraine. Like literally the same day from one catastrophe, one global catastrophe to the next. And it's easy to think that that's like an anomaly. Like that's just not, that never happens. But it's all that happens. Really, if you look at at history, if you look at the news, like the news cycle will never, never, never end. Especially now. Especially with all the journalists. Every single journalist is a content, mostly, I I guess, they're all content creators, but so there's, there's armies and armies and armies of journalists who are just content machines. Like they're getting paid hardly anything to just churn out as much content as they can. That that is designed, designed like psychologists and, and like stuff to trigger your lizard brain to get you excited in a bad way, and to to just trigger that fear and anxiety that is at the base of your brain and all of our brains. That's what they're paid to do. And they're not paid a lot, so they have to do it a lot. And the more they do it, the more clicks they get from you, the more fear they get from you in response, the more they make. Um, and this is the economic model around the news now. So if you think that having your news app on your phone and constantly checking it makes you a an informed citizen, I encourage you to look at it differently. You're being like, not just spoon fed, you're getting like, they're, they're shoveling the shit of news and slinging it at your face every minute. Like, sorry, I get kind of emotional about this because it truly, like I just noticed, man, my anxiety, like, like was just all, it's just been triggered so much lately. And, and, I finally, I'm like, kind of made lent my excuse to like turn it off, and I and I I'm taking Oliver's um, advice to just to not totally ignore it, but to just like choose an hour maybe at the in the evening, say or I would say evening is best, like before dinner. Don't do it first thing in the morning, and don't do it right before bed. Do it like right before you eat. That way you can have a nice meal afterwards. Maybe have a glass of wine or whatever. Um, whatever it is you indulge in and, you know, but like an hour or a half hour or 15 minutes or five minutes, this is my time to check the news and you do it and then you put it down and you go about your day. This is the way I remember. I remember these days when I was a kid, like I was alive when we watched the five o'clock news, it was maybe an hour of news and that was it. Uh, we couldn't afford like the Wall Street Journal, you know, so we turn on the news in the evening. It came on and it went off and then we had television. I mean, like it was not such a big part of life. Um, 
and now it is everything. Like the news is everywhere. So I encourage you, like, like it, you can, you can change it. We actually, these tools in our pockets, these phones in our pockets, it seems like they can control us and it's easy for, for us to allow them to control us. But really, you can dial these things in now to where you control them. It just takes sitting down, like for example, my Instagram feed is actually a pretty delightful thing right now. <laughs> like I, I have just taken the time to unfollow and just dial it in to where when I open it, it doesn't make me a worse person than I already am. It's actually kind of enjoyable. It's almost too enjoyable. So which is kind of its own vice. But I'm saying that you can, you can, there are ways to focus, you know, the, with the focus thing on iPhones and, and deleting things. And really, I've found keeping things on your computer is, um, is key. Like I've taken the social media apps off my phone and I just have them like on my computer. I don't know if you know this, but Instagram is now on your desktop. So you did, you used to only be able to post on Instagram on your phone. Well, they just changed it like if like maybe a month ago to where you can actually post on your, your laptop, your, on your desktop, whatever, like your computer, you know, so you have it on your desk, you close it. It's big. You can't have it in your pocket. You know, you open it up and you, you can do your thing. You can produce, like, I'm a content producer. I'm a communicator. It's what I do. So it's a tool and I sit down and I do it and then I close it and I go about my day. I don't have it in my pocket with me all day. I just, I really encourage you to do this. And you know, it's funny. I'm thinking like, should I share this with people, this stuff? Like, shouldn't this be about Christianity? Shouldn't this podcast be about faith and Christianity? And I'm like, it all is right. Like we have the gospel at the, at, as our root, but all this stuff, our life is like the fruit of this. Like our, the way we spend our time, how we spend it with those we love, um, our mental health, our emotional health, like this stuff all matters. You know, it's all part of this. So anyway, I just kind of had to give myself permission to kind of to do this. I don't know. I, I, I hope you get something out of it, you know, because um, it's a big deal right now with our moment, especially in it. And we were always in a moment. Look through history. It's like it is one catastrophe after the next. And this will not stop. If you think that if Russia like decided tomorrow, to be like, hey, you know what, world, like, totally messed up on that one. Our bad. We're going to go back to Russia. And uh, can we just act like this never happened? Like, if they did that tomorrow, the news cycle wouldn't stop. Like, they would, like, it's their job to find something to sell, a story that sells. And that's what they will continue to do. So we need to, we really do, it behooves us to, like, to get our devices and our technology and our social technology dialed in and, and to look at it in the, you know, as, as a Christian, like to look at it from a place of like, ah, man, I want to step into a greater freedom than this fear. You know, like if I'm going to trust that God has my back, that this universe is truly a, a place that that is for me and for you and for all of creation like that 
then there's a way to live in the light of that, you know, and, and that's all this, you know, it's really important. So it's, it's interesting uh, being Lent, you know, Lent is in the church. It's a time of, uh, it's a time of reflection. It's a time of exam- self-examination. It's a beautiful time. You know, when I was growing up, I, re- I grew up Roman Catholic and, and I think I used to see it more as just like giving up some kind of food item for Lent. That was big. You know, that still is big for a lot of people. It's interesting though, as I, I'm a newer, I don't, I, I need to stop saying that because I guess I'm not new anymore, but I came to the Lutheran faith later in life and uh, I'm on my internship year right now. And what's really fascinating about a lot of Lutherans is like, they don't have that. Like, they, <laughs> they didn't grow up giving things up for Lent. So I, I just gave a sermon last night and I, I kind of spoke to this, Hey, are you, how are you doing on your Lenten goals? Like, are you, how's your diet going and things like that? And they just kind of gave me these blank stares. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're not doing that. So anyway, that's not everyone's experience. And I somehow thought it was, but it's not, which is awesome. Um, but Lent is, is about self-examination. We're making our way to Good Friday uh, because we have to go through Good Friday to get to Easter. So Good Friday is kind of like what we have our sights to. We have our sights to Jerusalem. You know, Jesus is making his way towards towards the cross. And I used to think that God put him up on that cross, like God made him go on the cross because I, I, I believe that God had to punish somebody because he was so mad at us. So he punished his little boy, Jesus. Well, that's not, that's not the case. That's not actually orthodox. Um, what's orthodox is that we put Jesus up on the cross. And that's a beautiful, I mean, it is, it's true. It's a true thing. Like we, we, and I'll, I'll just say it myself, I will find a way to put God on a cross as much as I can to ignore and to push away, uh, God as much as I can. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm studying to be a pastor. So I think that this might be a core human thing to turn away from the ways that life has our backs to turn away from trust in something bigger than our ourselves. Um, we have a propensity to, to want to control things and manipulate things. And we want things to, to kind of turn out our way, but, but we really act against ourselves. Um, there's a beautiful story in this week's upcoming uh, lectionary, which is kind of our assigned texts in Genesis um, chapter 15. If you want to look it up, you can, but Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 12, and then jumps to verses 17 and 18. Feel free to pause it and read it if you want to, but it's just this thing. It's dialogue between God and, and Abram, who soon his name changes to Abraham. I just call him Abe. But, you know, it's just God and Abe going back and forth, and God's like, Abe, I got you. Like, you're going to have kids. You're going to have this lineage that is amazing. Like, look at the stars in the sky. Your lineage will be like that. And, um, excuse me, and Abe is like, no, God, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm totally screwed. Like, I found this guy, some, uh, what's his name? Um, What's his name? Oh, this is so funny. Hang on. Oh, Eliezer of Damascus. I got this guy who's going to be my heir and, and that's probably it. God, why, you know, why won't you take care of him? Why won't you come through? God's like, no, no, Abe, I got you. Like, just stop, stop. I got you. 
And he does this thing in the end. God does this thing. By the way, whenever I say he with God, hold that lightly. Like I use both he and she and and also the the more ominous thou pronouns for God. So I, I don't believe that God is limited by male and female. So just hold that lightly. If I ever say he or she or thou, um, eh, yeah, let that go. Anyway, God does this thing at the end where he creates a covenant with Abe. And I learned that back, back in those days, you know, 3000 years ago, when this story, when this poem was written, um, uh, like tribal leaders would have these covenants and what they would do is they would go out and slaughter an animal like a ram or a bird or whatever, cut it in half. And they would separate the two parts like on the ground, I think. And, uh, so both leaders would be present. They would bring the animal, cut it in half, divide it. And they would each walk through, like pass through the middle of these two divided animal parts. Um, as a way to say, we're, this is our agreement, you know, 50, 50, you know, and we hold, we both hold our end of the deal. And if you didn't hold to your end of the deal, you would be like that animal. (laughs) You would be slaughtered, you know, crucified, you know, you would, that's your punishment, right? Well, so, you know, God's telling, telling Abe, like, calm down. I got, I got you. I got you. Abe, Abe is doubting. Abe is just like you and I might do or do do doubting, doubting, doubting. And, And God's like, Oh, that's right. You do this crazy, like, scapegoating thing where you get the animals, right? And so he goes, okay, go get animals and cut them in half. So Abe is like, yes, this is, this is like, I don't know, you're reading through it and you're like, okay, now God is speaking Abe's language. Abe goes out, cuts the animals in half, puts them on the ground, and God puts Abe, Abe to sleep. <laughs> and in the form of a fire pot and a flaming torch, God passes through the slaughtered animals. God, God's self, while Abe is asleep, says, no, Abe, I, this is my covenant to you. This is not like 50-50 where I need you to do anything. My covenant to you, this is my promise. Like, you can trust me. It's all me, Abe. Your job is to trust. <laughs> That's it. Um, and I just, I just, that really resonates with me. And we see that on the cross too. Like Jesus, God takes the form of Jesus in flesh and does it. Like does this, meets us where we are, where you and I, we need to see some some payment or some flesh and blood uh, spilled for things that we get angry about. And God's like, yeah, okay. Um, I would rather die than, than have you not trust me. You know, it's all God, like 100%. And so on my Lenten self-examination journey, if you will, this stuff with the Ukraine popped up and all these, these refugees, you know, fleeing the country, millions of people fleeing the country. And and I saw these images on my newsfeed and just got like, oh my gosh, man, like, especially kids, like being a dad now and, and seeing kids in that position, of course, like, and I, I'm sure you're the same way, but it just really bothered me, you know, <laughs> of course, right? Like I saw this one image 
that I'm thinking of that pops into my mind in a bomb shelter, just a group of people in a bomb shelter, women, children, men, you know, young, old, in a bomb shelter. And there's a priest like with a cassock on. And he's got a got his um, stole on and he's reading the Bible and he's got his his hands kind of splayed out in prayer. Beautiful image. And I'm, it struck me. I'm like, oh, man, well, I'm really bothered by this. But this happens every day. This has been happening every day of my life for 42 years in Africa with people whose skin is darker than mine. And I don't, I'm not as bothered. Like, of course, when I see images, I do get, I absolutely get bothered, but it doesn't, I don't know. Like this is carrying a different weight. And I'm like, is it because they look like me? Is it because the people that are being exiled is it so shocking because, oh, those are white folks? <laughs> is it because there's a sense in me that says like, oh, that can, that that shouldn't happen to white folks. But when it happens to, to brown folks, I'm, I, I'm just kind of like, that's, yeah, that's been happening for a long time. Yeah, yeah that's, this is the, the, the kind of the, the underbelly of my consciousness or my psyche that, that, that I was kind of dipping into. And the lint, the lint thing, I think, added to that. And I started feeling really bad, like guilty for feeling bad for the Ukraine. Like, I maybe I shouldn't feel that bad for people in, the, in Ukraine because I don't feel, I haven't felt as bad for people in other parts of the world. Like, I don't know, like I got this weird mental battle with myself over this, like feeling guilty for feeling guilty. And feeling guilty for not feeling more guilty for other people. And a lot of that's real. Like, I think a lot of that, it helps, I think, the soul to to look at that, to examine that. Because I think we need to to shine a light on those parts of us, our biases and, and things like that. But then I read this story about Abe and I'm like, man, like, that's, that's kind of me. Like, I'm here I am gnashing my teeth. I'm not sure how you gnash your teeth. I guess you grind your teeth, but um, I'm doing this. And God's like, got you. I got you. Like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you in this, like in those people, both in Ukraine and in various other parts of the world, both white folks, brown folks, all different kinds of folks. Like I am in that. You know, and, and I don't know, like, I see the, the focus of faith being God saying, this whole life is, is a gift. This, this breath, this heartbeat, you don't deserve any of it. You didn't earn any of it. You can't justify your existence in any of it. It's all a gift. And I think I have to, we all have to kind of look at our lives like that, like, I need to not feel bad <laughs> that that I feel bad for these people and that maybe I feel it it makes me feel really grateful for the things that I do have. Like I don't deserve to have a healthy family right now. I don't deserve to not be in poverty like I was when I was a kid right now. I don't deserve to have people listening on the other end of this microphone right now. Should I feel bad for it? Should I feel like I need to earn it more? 
like, or should I just kind of like settle for not having as much? Should I settle for, should I just go back into poverty consciously kind of like give all everything away, all my money away and like leave my family and retire into a K like, should I go to asceticism? Is that what I should, 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 should Here's all the shoulds that I'm doing. Um, yeah, that, that, that needs to cease that voice. When I really hear the word of God, when I really hear that, all of that just settles. Yeah, and um, and that's okay. But this is what Lent does to us, right? It turns us into ourselves. This is repentance. See, I used to think that repentance was like, oh, you have to say you're sorry to Daddy God so that he can forgive you. But no, no, repentance is something that you're turned. Like you and I were turned. It's like a circle. Like we we turn and we look at ourselves and we look at all the ways we f- we are falling short and that we are messing it up. And we see those things in the light of God's unconditional love, grace, and mercy. Like God can handle all that. God can handle my my privilege. <laughs> like God, God isn't above that. I, I, I'm not outside of God in that. But God, that repentance, that turning of heart, that change of heart, change of mind, it keeps going. And it turns us towards our neighbors and ourselves and our families and God. Where we see, oh my God, this life is a gift. We are eternally loved. And now what? You know, and if and if you if you want it to help and you want to lend a hand, that's I think we can't help it when we live in this light of love that is eternal since before the beginning of time, if we turn to that, we are turned into that, we can't help but extend ourselves to others, you know, but in a way that's graceful, in a way that's peaceful, in a way that's doesn't bring, doesn't make matters worse, you know, like there's so much activism and stuff that just makes things worse. It's all about performancism and, and, and performative works that just, it's selfish at its core. But really, when we when we come from this place of love, we can't help but just trust, and our our work takes takes place in that space of trust. And so I'm blabbing on here. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. But um, I don't know. It helps to look at our biases and our our privilege and and everything. But it also helps to set that down and say, yeah. It's okay to turn off the news. It's okay to like be grateful for the gifts you've been given. Um, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. Um, and that's, that is what it is. <laughs> that's always the way that it is. And so we live in the light of that. And it's a complicated thing. It's a complex place to be, this human situation. But I just think that Jesus' story is unique in that it, in that it, it, is so true. (laughs) Even though a lot of it is kind of poem and myth and story, that is true. You know, that is the truthiest thing I could think of. Um, And our life takes place in the light of that. It is truly all a gift. God is truly trustable. And you and I 
we don't want to believe that or we can't believe that. They believe that our will is bound. I'm with Luther and thinking that like, I, I think that we just have a propensity to not trust. The Christian faith is a great tradition and practice and, and story and that, that brings us closer to the heart of God that is, that is trust. So yeah, that's it. That's pretty much all I want to say. So thanks for listening. You know, it's great again to be with you. Um, and until, until next time, my friends, grace and Godspeed.